Today on the Almond Journey podcast. We kind of began to learn that, you know, while it's about the bees, it can also have a dual benefit. It doesn't have to be solely for bees. We're talking cover crops and the Seeds for Bees program with Samantha Lopes and Chris Melgard. Welcome to the Almond Journey podcast brought to you by the Almond Board of California. On this show, we discover how growers, handlers, and other stakeholders are making things work in their operations to drive the almond industry forward. I'm your host, Tim Hamrich, and I'm traveling up and down the valley, virtually in this case, to feature the leaders who are finding innovative ways to improve their operations, connect with their communities, and advance the almond industry. Today's episode takes us to a couple of stops. The first one in Madeira to visit with Samantha Lopes, Operations Support Manager for Farmland Management Services. After that, we'll check in with Turlock almond grower Chris Melgard. Both Samantha and Chris have participated in the Seeds for Bees program, which provides support and incentives to incorporate cover crops into their operations. You'll hear from Samantha and Chris about why they wanted to try cover crops in the first place, what results they're seeing so far, what they've learned, and whether or not they might recommend the program to other almond growers. If this Seeds for Bees program is new to you, it's designed to encourage the use of cover crops and increase bee forage in California orchards while improving soil health. Project APIS-M administers the program to provide free or subsidized cover crop seed mixes and technical support to California growers, giving them the opportunity to try out cover crops at a reduced cost. If you're listening and interested in participating, enrollment is actually open right now until November 15th. So just go to projectapismorg and also stay tuned to the end of the program where we'll talk to the Almond Board's Dr. Josette Lewis about the B-plus scholarship, additional incentives for you to get involved in this program. To hear more about how these growers are taking advantage of Seeds for Bees, we'll first visit with Samantha Lopes, Operations Support Manager at Farmland Management Services, who says the program was really helpful, especially in years like this one where water is scarce. One of the big things is as a grower, you know, I work with the farm managers. We're both in nature and part of it. We depend on it and it depends on us, you know. And so I think our goal is to improve the long-term soil health and biodiversity through our practices. This is just a simple practice that allows us to do both. I think that the funding opportunity that Seeds for Bees offers is huge because, you know, in the first year while we had successful bloom, we are in California. We're already going into a drought again. When we planted that first year in 2017, we were in a year with plenty of water. That's not always the case. And we've kind of learned that over the years is just because it doesn't come up one year, the more consistently that you plant the higher rate you have for it to bloom because that germination. And then each year, even if you just get a little bit, those seeds fall. And then the next year, they possibly help come back a little bit more. So I think, you know, the big thing is that the Seeds for Bees program kind of helps you get going. It's not like you spend all this money planting one time and it doesn't work. And it kind of makes you you know, unsure if you should do it again. But because it has that three-year kind of startup, 
I think that that is just a way to get you more comfortable and confident in what you're doing. And then in a year that, you know, you plant and maybe nothing germinates, it's like, okay, well, we'll, we'll try again and we know it's going to be okay. For Samantha and other growers, attracting more bees is a huge benefit, but it's not just about the bees. It's also about improving soil health long term. Seeds for Bees usually works with Campraft seed on seed mixes. Well, some of our managers, you know, have working relationships with Campraft seed as well. So we had worked with them to look at, you know, the physical aspect of our soil and to see what's it lacking and what seed mixes do you guys have that can kind of help improve it. So for water infiltration, for nutrient levels, and then, you know, hopefully that would also lead to less chemically applied nutrients and then increase the soil microbes, the activity in the soil. So we kind of began to learn that, you know, while it's about the bees, it can also have a dual benefit. It doesn't have to be solely for bees. Samantha was multitasking a little bit during the interview, so you may occasionally hear a baby in the background, just so you know it's not just you. But Farmland Management Services is a great example of what the Seeds for Bees program can do. They started a few short years ago with just a small acreage and have expanded their cover crop program every year since. So as we did it in 2017, we had success. We kind of understood the process of prepping the ground and planting. And so that's when, you know, as our comfort level kind of increased, then in 2018, we had branched out and we had another property down in Kern County that had some land also set aside. You know, the 16 acres in Chowchilla initially was just around the perimeter. It was like a 16 foot strip all the way around the perimeter of the recharge basin. But this one in Kern County, we decided to plant all of it like more of a, you know, dense field. It wasn't just the perimeter. And then in 2019, we planted in, again, the recharge areas where we had pulled, you know, ground out of production, knowing when we were redeveloping some properties, we knew that the ground, we were going to wait to plant it. And so we planted 10 acres in Madera and then another 10 acres in Tehama County. And by 2020, you know, our managers really kind of understood the timing as far as when to mow, to prep the ground, you know, using the water truck to saturate the soil prior to planting. We kind of had the system down, so to speak. And so a couple of areas that were trying to improve our soil quality, we decided to go ahead and plant in the orchard. And so we planted every other row. But it ended up in total being just over 250 acres across the state of California in 2020. And then, you know, our beekeeper was obviously very pleased. And in years where we had plenty, the beekeepers would bring out, you know, their bees and would use the pollinator habitat as a place for their bees to forage on it. So, you know, unfortunately, there is planted acres that will probably be coming out of production in California due to sigma and, you know, limited water. So we're just trying to look for, you know, ways to optimize on ground that's going to be open. And what better way is there, you know, than to basically provide a forage for bees. 
One of the bigger initial concerns about cover crops, especially in California, and Samantha's already alluded to it a couple times, is going to be water and establishing germination. But Samantha and her team have successfully added this bee forage in various areas of the state across multiple years, often using a water truck to help get them established. Water's everything when planting this and trying to get it established, and it can be scarce, but, you know, after you plant, we always send a water truck, you know, behind immediately to provide the amount of water that the ground needs, you know, before the first rainfall. If that means that for a couple weeks we have to run the water truck by there, we do it, you know, and then, you know, we work with our advisors who typically recommend the appropriate, like, mixes for a dry climate. What works in the South Valley may be totally different than what works in Northern California. In just recent years, or actually this year, when we plant every other row, what we do is we leave an open row so that when we're doing pruning on our trees or anything, we have that alternate row to put the prunings in. And we chip them, you know, into the ground after we prune. And then once the cover crop blooms, then we we mow that under. And then the next year, we're going to alternate. We're creating our own, like, basically compost. And that was something that we really were trying to figure out our pruning practices, you know, on some of even our pistachio orchards as well, because we did plant some in our pistachios just because they're near the almonds. And so really that alternating year after year we're hoping that even that will help with the microbes and soil activity. For Samantha and for Farmland Management Services, the Seeds for Bees program has been a success. She acknowledges that this is a long-term investment, but she's confident that it will ultimately be beneficial for bees, soil, and for business. I think, you know, protecting the bees and improving bee health is a goal that doesn't happen overnight. But we totally would recommend this program because there's definitely resources out there. And if you just communicate with those different resources, Seeds for Bees, Campraft Seed, then it really can be a successful thing. And then it also helps with, you know, the comfort level of of a grower. So, yeah, the program, it obviously provides great funding and assistance for the first three years. And that just helps you get rolling and feel comfortable before you're on your own to do it. So, yeah, we would definitely recommend it. I think that we've had a positive effect and experience with it. So I think if if other growers can find value in it, bee colonies need all the help that they can get. And it's such a huge asset to the almonds and many other crops here in California. So why not support and boost their health by kind of doing our part? Well, thank you very much to Samantha Lopes for sharing those experiences with us about the Seeds for Bees program. And now we'll turn our attention over to someone else who's definitely found value in the program as well. Chris Melgard is a 24-year-old almond grower in the Turlock area. It's a very busy time for Chris, not only with his own harvest, but he also runs a custom sweeping service in addition to farming. But he was still willing to talk to us about his experience with Seeds for Bees from the cab of a sweeper for this episode. So I started using Seeds for Bees last fall after harvest. The year prior to that, I took over a lease, an orchard from an older couple living 
just about a mile from my house and it's just a 20 acre piece. And that's when I started looking into cover crops, not particularly for the, you know, bee purpose, but more for building up organic matter and trying to make the soil there more healthy because the soil at this ranch was rock hard. I remember when I first went over there to, you know, get lay of the land, I was trying to take a soil sample and I couldn't, I almost needed a jackhammer to just, you know, get six inches a foot into the ground to see what nutrients was there. So that's when I realized, okay, this place needs some help. The trees needed help, obviously, but I knew it was going to need, you know, some help in the soil for the trees to become more viable. So that's when I first started considering cover crops as a way to improve the soil health there. And so the first year I I had bought seed, you know, just from a seed company because I hadn't even heard of seeds for bees. And it was a soil builder mix that had legumes and taproot, you know, radishes, stuff like that to try to break up that hard ground. And that worked out really well. I got it in the ground, I think, late October, November after harvest there. And uh, even got a flood irrigation on top of it after planting. So that took off great. And the guy that I hired to plant it told me about seeds for bees. So then this past year, I called Billy and uh, he was real helpful and got a really similar seed mix to what I had the previous year. And it worked out really well again. So I'm already seeing improvements in the soil health. And that ground starting to loosen up a little bit. And I even, this past spring, early summer, when I finally rototilled that cover crop in, I noticed a lot of worm castings, which I had never seen at that ranch before. After I rototilled it, I flood irrigated it. And a few days later, I walked out there and I'm seeing all these worm castings, which is a really good indication of healthy soil. So even just after two years, I'm already seeing improvements. You know, it's going to take years and years of that to build up organic matter and really provide a good healthy soil for the trees but you know there's short-term benefits as well you heard chris mention billy which is billy sink who oversees the program for project apsm it's pretty incredible that chris is seeing these types of improvements so early even though he's looking at this as more of a long-term investment in his soil short-term returns are encouraging to know that he's on the right path I asked him about the change in mindset it requires to embrace the concept of incorporating cover crops in almond orchards when maybe one hasn't done it before. Well, a lot of people are against cover crops, especially in almonds. And I think there's like a culture that's common these days with PCAs and a lot of people that have been farming a long time. And that's they think the only thing that needs to be growing in my orchard is a tree. That's a common thing that I think really needs to change, especially with what we can do with cover crops. There's so many benefits there. You got carbon sequestration, you're helping the bees out, you're improving your soil and you're fixating nitrogen in the ground. So I think the benefits outweigh the costs. A lot of growers would complain and say that it's hogging up pollinators because the idea is to have the uh, cover crop bloom the same time as the trees. That way you're bringing in more bees and the bees have nutrients from the cover crop and not just from the trees because for a bee to just eat almond pollen as its only source of nutrients for, you know, two, three months straight, yeah, the pollen's got nutrients in it, but it's like us eating the same thing for three months. So to have a variety of nutrients from different plants is really important for the bees. But as far as reservations go, 
some growers believe that the cover crops hogging up the bees and they're not pollinating their trees, which is a complete myth, you know. If anything, I think it brings more bees in from the surrounding areas because they realize, you know, what's out there and it's a haven for bees out there. And then there's also the reservation people have of, oh, I can't get it incorporated in time. Oh, it's going to leave a bunch of trash and make a mess for harvest, which can be addressed with, like I said, rototilling or getting it mowed early enough in the season where you might not even need to rototill. Maybe it'll decompose. So there's ways around a lot of these things that are holding people back from it. As you might be able to tell, Chris is all in with the benefits of cover crops in his operation. And not only has he already seen improvements in the soil, he's also already noticed more bee activity during pollination. Before I used cover crops and what my dad was farming, we'd go out there during bloom and there were bees out there and you could hear them for sure, but they were hard to see because they're way up in the tops of the trees. So it was kind of hard to say, you know, how many bees are really out here? Are they really active? You know, the hives looked active, but are they in mass numbers out there? And then when you have a cover crop that's, you know, say two, three feet off the ground blooming and you're out there and you've got trees that are, you know, three feet to 15 feet or however tall they are, you've got bees through that whole profile. And not only are they pollinating at the very top, but they're pollinating those lower laterals and lower branches a lot more too. I've seen a crazy amount of almonds that have taken on the lower half of the trees that I wouldn't normally expect to happen. I think because the bees are hanging out and the whole tree profile instead of just on the top. So I think that cover crop almost brings bees down and really maximizes what your tree puts out blossom-wise because not all the blossoms are at the tops of the trees. They're scattered throughout the whole profile, especially on younger trees. I think it's important to note that even with the support from the Seeds for Bees program, there are still costs associated with planting these cover crops. Chris estimates he paid around $20 per acre for someone to come out and actually plant the seed. But he said for him, the costs are more than worth it once he got his process and timing dialed in. When you look at all the costs in farming almonds, a cover crop and to plant it is is pretty minimal. You know, you're spending hundreds of dollars per acre on other things and to spend, say, you know, $40 an acre total if you had to buy the seed and plant it pay for it 100% yourself, that's pretty cheap compared to some other things. And you're going to see some benefits soon and then down the road as well if you keep up with it. So it's worth the price and it's worth a little bit of extra work. It's just getting it timed right because there's a lot of things you have to think about before planting. Like, are you going to prune after harvest? If you are going to prune, can you do it right away? That way you can have the pruning shredded and have that cover crop planted right away because you want to get that in ideally, you know, late October when you still have some warmth in the soil. That way it gets a good head start before, you know, the ground's real cold. And and even, you know, if you've got extra water, if you can get it in the ground before that irrigation season ends and you can get a flood irrigation on top of it, then you're going to be a lot better off. So, it's a little more work, but if you're on top of it and you plan everything out, it's really a great thing to see that cover crop bloom right during uh, almond bloom. Like this past year, the timing worked out just perfectly. And you see all these flowers 
and then the trees are blooming at the same time. It makes everything worth it when everything comes together like that. So 100% worth it, in my opinion. Well, thank you so very much to Chris Melgard and again to Samantha Lopes for being on today's show. To help more growers experience these benefits you just heard about, the Almond Board of California created the B-plus Scholarship. It provides free cover crop seed to 100 almond growers as part of Seeds for Bees, and it covers the cost to register for the bee-friendly farming program. And that's the focus of today's ABC Update. Well, you've just heard firsthand about the benefits of these cover crops, such as improving soil health and attracting more pollinators. Another reason some are considering planting this bee habitat is due to consumer demand. Some companies are willing to pay premiums for bee-friendly certified almonds. Well, no matter what your motivations are, the B-plus scholarship was created by the Almond Board to get the word out about these opportunities. Here's Almond Board Chief Scientific Officer Josette Lewis. We designed the B-plus scholarship mostly, again, to just kind of raise awareness. Hey, there's these opportunities for you out there. You can either do a cover crop because you think it's good for your honeybees. You can do it because it's good for your soil. But take a look at it. And then with bee-friendly farming, the incentive is this has some value in the marketplace. So we've seen some food brands either require some form of bee-friendly practices or they actually lean in on specific ones like bee-friendly farming. So you can get some credit with your buyers if you're a handler or if you're a grower. And so take a look at it. You know, it's not to say it works for everybody, but the B-plus scholarship became basically a vehicle to get it on people's radar so they could take a look at whether it worked for their operation and whether it had value to some of their goals. The Bee-Friendly Farming Program is administered by the Pollinator Partnership. It's aligned with the California Almond Sustainability Program so that almond growers who complete assessments in CASP focused on bee health and pest management and who meet certain bee-friendly farming criteria will qualify to register for the program and become certified. Lewis says establishing a cover crop is often the most limiting factor to obtaining this certification. Probably the limiting factor is putting a cover crop in. So if maybe they did all the IPM, for example, which are pretty common IPM practices that we promote anyhow. Then the two pieces that they would have to do is put in a cover crop and put in some kind of perennial forage like a hedgerow or plantings around an equipment yard or something like that, that flower other times of the year than the cover crop. Say you were you were a blue diamond grower who paid a, a premium price for growers who met certain criteria on their sustainability scale, one of which at the highest level included being registered as a bee-friendly farm. So say you hadn't been registered before and you wanted to access that incentive, you know, if it was in June and you hadn't used a cover crop the previous year, I don't think you could have been certified until you planted the cover crop this fall. As you've heard throughout our episode today, cover crops have the potential to increase soil health while supporting these pollinators. So if you're a grower and are interested in seeing if the practice can work for you, the Almond Board of California's new cover crop best management practices is a great place to start. The easy to follow guide can be found online at almonds.com forward slash cover crops. And in addition to taking advantage of these types of economic and agronomic opportunities, the B plus scholarship is designed to build awareness and to give the chance for growers to see how other growers are utilizing these resources. 
For a lot of growers, they like to see stuff in person. So for something like cover crops, which were not a widely adopted practice in our industry, you know, certainly no more than a quarter of growers in CASP allowed a native cover crop. A large percentage of those who allowed a cover crop did actually plant them, but not all, some just the native crop. So it's not a widely adopted practice. The other thing the B plus scholarship did is it incentivized more people to give it a try. And when people give it a try, their neighbors see it and they go over and talk to them and ask them, so why are you doing that? You know, what's your experience? Where'd you get the seed? How do you know when to plant? All those kind of questions. And those kind of create momentum because so much of agriculture is, you know, you can read stuff and people can tell you stuff, but seeing is believing. And B plus scholarship got some momentum around people to think about it, give it a try, and they can tell their neighbors and their friends. And it creates a little more momentum and experience of people you can talk to to figure out if it works for you. Well, just like Josette said, make sure you talk to your friends and neighbors who are tapping into these resources. And we'll also make sure that we include links in the show notes for today's episode for the Seeds for Bees project, as well as the B Plus Scholarship, Project Apis M, and the Bee Friendly Farming Program. I'd also encourage you to reserve your spot to join us in person at the Almond Conference, which returns to Sacramento December 7th through 9th. It will be back in person at the newly renovated Safe Credit Union Convention Center, and this year's theme, Rooted in Success, will focus on the foundation of our industry's growth, strategic market development, innovative research, and accelerated adoption of industry best practices. So go right now to almonds.com forward slash conference. That's almonds.com forward slash conference to register, book your hotels, and stay up to date on the latest Almond Conference information. You'll be able to see Josette there, I'm sure, as well as so many of the other people you've heard here on this program. We believe everyone in the almond industry has a story of their own, of how they're making things work on their farms or in their jobs. Hearing the voices of industry leaders may have sparked a connection or an idea that you can use in your own journey. That's why we want to feature these stories of innovation, resilience, and community here on this podcast. I hope you'll come along for the ride by subscribing to this show on your podcast platform of choice, be it Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, etc., and please pass it along to others in the industry so we can all share in this almond journey together.